Mr. Chris, come on up. It's been a long time since we've had Chris McQueen speak, and uh, it's been quite a journey you've been on the last five years, <laughs> to, to say the least. But anyway, it's good to have you here, man. Okay? Bless you. All right. Hey, good morning. So there's a couple ways we can do this. Uh, one is that you can listen to me ramble on for about 35 to 50 minutes, depending how excited I get. And, uh, and either I'll be entertaining enough that you'll walk away feeling like, well, that went fast, uh, or you'll forget what I said. Um, or we could do this in such a way that we walk away thinking at the end of this, uh, that was actually a really valuable use of my time. Uh, so which of those do you want? Number two. Number two. I can deliver on both. Okay. All right. That's great. Um, so what that means then is I need your partnership. How many, you, how many of you ever heard a really interesting thing and they walked away and thought, oh, I'm transformed by that interesting thing that I heard, that factoid or that idea? It doesn't happen very often. And so I want us to really lean into this moment in a way that is more than just kind of, I'm listening to Chris. Yeah, I've got some wisdom. I've got some things to say. Um, but so do you, actually. And so what I would uh, really love is for you to bring to mind uh, one version of two stories. So you get to pick. Uh, so in one story, and this is from your life, can be your personal life, your professional life, it can be part of your walk with God, faith, community. I want you to think about a time where you made a difference for somebody, where you made their life a little bit better where you know that you held out for their highest good. Do you have that? Just think through, kind of skim through the index of your experiences where you contributed that. Give you a second. Now, I want you to think about a time, it's a different kind of story, where you felt complete completely seen, where you felt loved. This might be a tough one for some people. I want you to push through. It doesn't matter how significant or insignificant it sounds, just the feeling of, I got seen in that moment. Yesterday, somebody stopped their car on Ottawa Street and let us get out of our driveway. It was amazing. They saw our blinker. The other day, Liv, my wife, for those of you who don't know, we were out for a walk, and she came across a little bee that was in its final moments of life. It was a cool day, and she reached down, and she had it crawl onto a leaf, and she picked it up, and she brought it home, and she gave it sugar water. And she, and his little tongue was going out, and she it took it out after a time, and, and it flew away. She gave it 
a moment of an extension of life. It's probably not around anymore, but she made a difference. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, oh, I changed the world. I'm saying you made a difference. You held out for another living things. Let's like even get a, or somebody just saw you. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you to take up a mic or share to everybody at all. We're just going to, like, you would be willing to share one of those two stories, not both, with one or two other people in the room, and you will take no more than two minutes doing it. How many of you are willing to do that? I need at least half for this. So hold your hand up. You're just get, it's a two-minute version of the story. Two, four, six, eight. 10, 12, we're like close-ish. Okay, would you stand up, those who raised your hands? And again, I know this is uncomfortable, but this is the only way we get stuff done is if we actually participate with each other. Okay, now those of you who are seated, and by the way, those who are seated, there's no shame. It's totally okay. There's no emphasis on I have to be the storyteller here because if you get to be a listener, it's even better. So, storytellers, you're going to tell your story in two minutes flat, and I'm going to time you. And when I say wrap it, you're going to wrap it up. So, two minutes, and then listener, you have a job. You have one job. You're going to suppress the thing in you that says, I'm going to tell my story. You're not going to tell your story. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. You're not going to tell your story. You're just listening for, like with intense interest, what mattered most to this person in this moment? Can I name it? What mattered most to them in the story that they're telling me? And then you're going to have a couple, you're going to have three minutes. So they tell their story. You have three minutes to try it out. I think what mattered to you was this. They're going to check. Did I get it right? The storyteller is either going to verify. I couldn't have said it better myself. Or they're going to clarify. They're going to say, well, actually, close, but it was this part that really mattered most. And if there's time, you're just going to ask one other question as a listener. Why? Why did that matter so much to you? We ask that because we hear a story and we instantly catalog it in our own experiences, our own history. But we want to hear it out of the mouth of the individual. Why did that matter to you? Okay, so those of you who are standing, you're going to have to put your hands up because in a minute everyone is going to be standing. So those of you who are seated, go find somebody with their hand up. And as soon as you have at least two people beside you, you can bring your hand down and start telling your story. Two minutes, I'll let you know when we're done. Go for it. Okay, we're just about at time. You can wrap things up. Okay, sounds like there's kind of that murmur of things coming down. The conversations are starting to settle. Come in for a runway, and okay. So, that conversation feel okay? <laughs> Listeners, did you learn anything? Yes. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, good. <laughs> Storytellers, did you hate telling those stories or did it feel okay to tell those stories? Awkward, I know. It felt awkward. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But did it, how did it feel telling that story? Yeah, good. Okay, cool. Those of you, 
listeners primarily, although I'm not going to say that only listeners can shout this out. Uh, who heard, and I'm not going to ask anyone to divulge the story. I don't even want the details. Literally don't want the details. Um, but how many of you heard a story of someone who made a positive impact on someone else? Okay, a chunk of us, that's cool. What were some of the characteristics, one word that you would use to describe what took place in that story? Validation. Validation. I know you can't read this, but I can, so that's okay. Okay, embodied hope. I was going to say hope, just for the sake of, yeah. Inclusion. Inclusion. Yes, love it. Life-saving. Ooh, that sounds like a really interesting one. Okay. All right, cool. I know there's others. I know there's others. How many of you heard a story of being seen? Okay, same thing. What are some of the characteristics, the words that you would use to describe that story? Shout them out. Love. Okay, what else? Worthy. Worthy. Accepted. Accepted. Validated. And what do you got? Understanding, understood, validated, love it. Okay, great. Okay, good work. Not bad for five minutes. Why did we do that? Why do we tell two different kinds of stories? I was given the easy task of talking about the connection between worship and justice. If we had started with two different word clouds and said, I'm going to put up the word worship, now we're going to put up the word justice, would we have a different list of words up here? Absolutely, we would. We would have concepts. Uh, We would have ideas. We would have theological answers, probably, because we're in church, and so we would automatically go that way. But the reality is that we just talked about two things. We actually talked about, and one of the words is here, love. And down here, I'm going to use a different, I'm going to call this power. Love and power. Worship and justice. Love and power, that's what's actually flowing in anything that we would call worship. What's flowing? Love. Or something that's using the love infrastructure. Right? Because, you know, the jealousy also uses, it borrows or it steals the love infrastructure. And so does idolatry. That's borrowing or stealing the love infrastructure, our capacity. But that's, it's using the engine. Worship is using the love engine. You know where I'm going? Justice. Justice is using our power engine. Our ability to affect change. Now, how many of you go through your life and you feel like change agents that you can make the world a better place? Catherine, I believe you 100%. And I also believe everyone who didn't raise their hand. We don't feel like it's possible because we think big terms, big ideas, justice. But we do have ways to influence and utilize our power, our ability to show up. And how do you know when it's happened? Yeah, you do know it in your spirit, but there's a really tangible thing that's happening in your physiology 
when you start to use either of these engines for positive or for negative? Does anyone know how you know? If you're lucky. How many of you love feedback, by the way? Some of you are lying. Yeah, good positive feedback. You feel it. You feel it. It's an emotion. I don't need to spend time talking about do we value worship and justice in the church, do I? Of course we believe it. Of course we think it. But there is a gap, isn't there, between those two things. And uh, let's just explore that for a second. If you think back to yesterday, ballpark for me, how many decisions do you think you made? 50? 3,000? Tying your shoelace, do I try them, do I not? Do I pick the ones with the Velcro? No, it's all decisions. Other decisions. What number? What do you think? Hundreds. Hundreds, okay. So high number is 3,000, yeah? That we heard? Uh, can I give you some startling information? Is you know that the average adult, when you factor in all of the ways that you show up and make a difference in terms of the outcome of your day and the people around you, the number is something like 35,000 decisions. Look it up. It's a thing. It's a little contested, but I think when you start to think about I make a lane change, I don't make a lane change. I turn my blinker on, I don't turn my blinker on. I go for a walk, I don't go for a walk. Now the question is, how many decisions should we be held accountable for? All of them. Holy smokes. That's a delta. A delta means that's a gap. Isn't it? It's a massive gap between the way we think we're showing up and the way that people are actually encountering us. And we have these little pockets of things we call worship on a Sunday. We have these little pockets of things that we call service or justice that might live inside of some of our programs. But in between all of that is this invisible place that's a total blind spot to us. And how many of you have heard stories from people and they say, you know what, when you did this thing for me, it made all the difference. And you, th- and you say, thank you. I have no memory of saying that. I have no memory of doing that. Yeah? That time you acknowledged me, it made all the difference. It made me feel like I belonged. Cool. I don't remember that. How many of you have heard the inverse? There was a time when you said a thing and it totally... If you get that feedback and you go, oh my God, I don't remember doing that. I don't remember saying that. Or if I did, it was the furthest thing from what I intended, the way I intended to show up to you. There's a gap that lives between these things. And it makes a lot of sense because whom of you would be sane if you were cognitively aware of 35,000 decisions every day? (laughs) Fair enough, Catherine. That's a whole other story. But that's a really powerful illustration because actually autistic people tend to be far more aware of what that number is 
typically. It's true. It's a different level of resolution. And we survive because we chunk things down. We chunk things down and we call it intentionality. But there's a whole level of unintentional behavior. Still choices. We still have to be held to account. It's a region of our brain called the basal ganglia. It's a great name for the region of a brain. It's the automator. It's the thing that makes everything else easy. I can drive on the 401 for two hours navigating intense traffic and come out of the haze of my thoughts and my podcast as I pull into Kitchener area. And I was driving completely safe the whole time. But my, there's a different part of my brain that's just governing how I'm showing up in that moment. Right? This is the thing. We are using it all the time. And so the question is, we look at worship and justice. We recognize there, there can be a gap, hey? What do you think about the gap between your desire to love well and the way that you actually show up? Am I alone? Okay, there's a gap. And what is in that gap? No, there's lots of action. Did you know that every action you take is a reflection of what you actually believe in that moment? There's no such thing as an action that happens on its own. It's all determined. We have a brain that tells us to do it. So there's always action or inaction. So I think I know where you're going, but let's, what lives in the gap between our intent and the, way we, the actions that actually show up in the world? Okay. Choice, beliefs, motivation, understanding, overthinking. Yeah, sometimes it's inaction, right? I'm overthinking it. Um, would anyone say that sin lives in the gap between those two things? How many of you, like, you wake up in the morning, you think, you know what's on my agenda today? Sin. <laughs> no? There's all sorts of stuff that lives in the gap here, but there's something else. And it's the same thing that lives in this elastic right now. This tension. Do you feel it? Do you feel the tension between the way you want to show up in the world as it is right now with all of its crises, its climate crises, its political crises, the crises of violence that's happening right now in the Middle East? Waste. There's so much of this, right? How many of you love tension? You, you go, ah, tension, yes, that's what I'm looking for, more of that. Liars, you love tension. Who loves a well-tuned guitar when it's played properly? Tension, we love tension. Who appreciates the moon? The fact that it neither goes careening off into the cosmos or crashing down onto the earth. The tension makes that possible, hey? 
the tension between its speed and its weight keeps it in orbit in a powerful, beautiful way. Tension is really important. Inside of tension is energy, it's possibility, it's agency. It's how I might show up different. I have so much tension speaking about worship and justice. When you speak about something, it means that you're supposed to be some kind of an expert. And I spent a long time thinking about these things and a long time not living up to my own expectations. A lot of tension. There's another word that's really important that lives in the gap. Shame. Shame will break the tension. It's its own kind of tension, but it will cause us to let go. It's too hard. I feel too guilty for not showing up and doing the thing. Whether it's urban hope or whether it's rescuing the bee, whatever is motivating you. Or... I don't want to deal with the fact that I don't know how to feel love. Worship means nothing to me because I don't feel God in that space, but I sure can show up for other people. Justice. We feel like we don't belong in one, and when we let go of it, so shame can actually break off our ability to hold the tension between these two things. The tension that Christ is very comfortable with. By the way, I know I'm not throwing a bunch of scriptural references at you, I'm going to be really bold and say that's my scripture reference. It's all in there, particularly if you want to focus in on Psalms and the prophets. You're going to find a ton of stuff that talks about the tension between these two and how you can't have one without the other. It's just not something that works. These things are always meant to come together, love and power. And when we start looking at worship, our practices of worship, and our practices of justice, which I just want to say, all that is is holding out for the highest good as some other living thing. And I don't want to lower the bar so that we don't feel like we're challenged into a really tough way of showing up, because the world is going to ask that of us. But can we say, I have the ability to show up and hold out for someone else's highest good? Can I hold that tension... And know that I'm going to fail you. But it's actually okay. There's tension in that space. This is where the redemptive work of Christ happens. When we hang on to both. When we don't, when we let go of one, even our most well-intended love can become anemic. What does that mean? It means it's got no oomph. It doesn't mean anything. It's just sentimentality. Or it can turn into other things like jealousy, like lust. Love needs to be tethered to power. Worship needs to be tethered to justice. It helps it be rightly related. So love without power, anemic. What is power without love? Single word that I think sums it up really well. We're getting closer. Violence. Even well-intended power without love violence. 
all through the 80s and 90s, there's this massive story that's written in the histories of well-meaning NGOs who show up and they're not interested in what the people need. They just come in with what they know they need. And it's interpreted as violence. You're doing this to me. You're putting stuff into my body that I'm not asking. There's a whole history of this. We need both. I'm going to wrap up. There is really good news at the end of this. It's a hack. Because I just, I hope that we all know that we use, we use both of these engines all the time. You, we always do what's right in our own eyes. Even gang members are doing what's right in their own eyes. They have a code. Things they do do and things they don't do. It doesn't matter what context you, there's a code. So whether or not we are worshiping creatures or creatures that utilize power, it doesn't matter what part of the socioeconomic whether you're rich or poor, you have the capacity for love and the ability to show up with power. Now, the power looks differently. We're not going to get into that today, but you have it. And there's something that's so powerful. It's one thing that, in my mind, brings this together so beautifully. And it's the one thing I want to leave with you today. I know and believe that when we say God is love, that love is the greatest thing, you know, the greatest of these is love. Yeah, absolutely. And that is tied into something, and so is justice, the way we use our power. That's an emotion, too. Because we actually make our decisions based on how we feel in the moment, not based on what we think. The research is absolutely clear about that. If you disagree, we can talk after, but... And there is a powerful emotion that transforms us in worship and in the way we show up to other people. Can anyone guess what that is? One emotion. It's more powerful than any other. We're getting close, but there's actually something else. And I say no to love because how many of you have actually been like torn apart by the emotion love? Yeah, all of us. You're not raising your hand because it's too vulnerable. We've all been crushed by that experience. It's painful and beautiful, right? But the way we understand that feeling, joy is getting close, but there's something that's even more. It's powerful. It's amazing. It's gratitude. The gratitude emotion will, in about 10 seconds or less, flush out all of the stress chemicals from your brain norepinephrine, epinephrine, uh, cortisol, all that stuff. It'll flush it. If left to its own, it's 18 minutes before you start to regain your calm, if you've been triggered. Gratitude will pull you back into your right mind like that if you can get to it. Gratitude will anchor you into an ability to receive love, which is why I asked when you were seen, not when you saw somebody else. By the way, that's a free one. If you're struggling with worship, I don't feel the Lord. Just ask yourself the question, how can I feel the love of God? That's a whole other thing. We'll leave that for another day. Gratitude does that. And so I want us to finish this way. We're going to dial up a moment of gratitude. 
This is a skill. So here's what I want you to do. If you're comfortable, close your eyes. And I want you to remember a time when you felt gratitude, great gratitude. When you've locked onto it, dial up the sights. What were you looking at? Location, where were you? Smells. What was going on around you? What were you hearing? Take a minute. What do you feel right now? What's going on in your body as you think about that? Joy. What other words? Peacefulness. Feel like your heart rate is lowering a little bit. Lord, I don't know how to be in this moment right now. I don't know how to show up to the invitation either into love or into an act that's going to make things better. I don't know how to show up. I'm conflicted inside. I'm feeling jealous. I'm feeling rage. I'm feeling enraged. I'm f- I don't know how I'm going to, I'm going to start getting reactive. I'm going to start saying things that I don't mean and doing things that I, I'm going to regret. Can we, in that moment, go, my gratitude anchor. 30 seconds, my gratitude anchor. I promise you it will help give clarity because justice is not about how many meals we serve. That's an extension of it, but it's just, it's an extension of our organization. Our impact is where justice is actually. This this is the thing we're interested in. That's what I got for today. I call this walking with both feet because we need both to walk. I called this walking with both feet because I was reading a book called Power and Love recently that really registered when Scott reached out. I said, I think I got something in this guy who's been involved in helping to solve some of the world's most complicated problems, like apartheid in South Africa, for example. Ringside seat, hanging out with Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu and those cats. And he says, if you don't have both love... In power, you're not going to affect change. And if you're not willing to stumble, you're not going to walk. You have to walk, lean the tension, right? So walk with both feet. We need both. All right, that's it.